Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of A Hoops Journey. I am, on a personal level, pretty uh, pretty pumped to have our next guest on. Um, I think because I've grown to become really good friends with this human being, and he's someone who is quite humble, but as Corbin can attest to when he was Googling um, this guy today, his uh, story and kind of the things that he's accomplished in basketball, many people probably don't even know unless you looked on that Google search. Um, and uh, he's an Olympian, uh, played Division One, and someone that I had the opportunity to compete against. And um, super, super stoked to have him on. So welcome to the show, Mr. Andrew Mavis. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to happy to be on the pod. I've listened to your uh, other ones and I'm enjoying it. So glad to be here. Good. Thanks for checking in and, uh, and sharing the love. Uh, just a quick thing that we used to like to check in, you know, you own your own, um, company, landscaping company and stuff. So what's that been like for you and, and your family and how that's going in terms of adjusting to COVID and kind of the chaos with that, you know, how has work been and how have you guys as a family have always been intrigued to hear because yeah, some it, people, been, you know, have older kids, yeah. Right, right. It's been an adjustment for sure. Yeah, no, I, we do, a, I have a, a home renovation uh, company with a partner, Blackbird Homes and Renovations. And, you know, it has been an adjustment. My partner, he has uh, three young boys and his wife has to work from home. So he's been off this whole time. So I'm kind wow. of running the show myself. And it's definitely been, you know, I had the first few weeks off with the kids and trying to figure out what, what it was going to look like, but we've managed to, um, to stay busy enough and do a lot of exterior work. A lot of people were nervous having us in their houses. So we um, kind of yeah. adjusted and the kids are, you know, doing their home homeschooling with their mom and they, they, you know, they've adjusted as well. So we're just kind of going with the flow and doing the best we can. Yeah. And as we move into summer holidays here and kind of things slowing down and getting back to at least somewhat of a kind of normal life, but still, you know, keeping our bubbles tight. So yeah, it's interesting. We, we actually, we hire cleaners for our house and like last week was the first week they were back. So it was interesting. You know, they sent us this long email about like, here's what we're going to do. And then my wife is working from home. So like, if you're home, you know, please kind of lock yourself in one room over there. It's just like, kind of just different times. So I can only imagine, you know, trying to make people comfortable in that scenario, right? Like, just like, I don't, we're going to come in and destroy your home, but also like, don't worry, we're good, right? Exactly. No, definitely. And yeah. it's all, and people are getting a little bit more comfortable now um, yeah. as, as it goes along, but I guess we'll see how, what happens in the fall. But yeah, for now we're doing okay. Good. Yeah. I'll take time for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so thanks for being with us. Let's just get right into it. Um, Tell us a little bit about like a young Andrew Mavis. What, what, and what were the sports that he played? What were the activities he was into at a young age before he even got into basketball? Kind of who were the people that you followed? Siblings, uh, rivals, mentors, you know, what, what was that like for a little guy just running around in the neighborhood? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in uh, Vancouver, like Dunbar area until I was 12 years old and went to Queen Elizabeth elementary school had two older brothers. I still have two older brothers. Um, and we, yeah, we're playing all, all sports. There was a lot of, a uh, lot of road hockey. There was, and there yeah. was soccer, lots of soccer. I even played, I dabbled in field hockey for a few years. 
grade nice. three, grade four. Yeah, grade five. It's um, actually a crazy sport, hey? It, re- it really is. You know, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun sport. Yeah. yeah and so I, uh, you know, I was always competing with my brothers, whatever, wh- whatever we were doing outside. Like, like I said, road hockey, lots of soccer. My dad was a soccer coach and I absolutely loved soccer when I was a young kid. So that was prior to basketball. And basketball for me um, started probably around grade four, grade five, um, elementary mm-hmm. school. And it was, you know, right around, right around when Jordan came on the scene. And I heard everyone else, we all talked about it from our generation. Um, you know, it, it was, he was everything. And he, he, you know, once I got the bug and Jordan was, was the guy. And he, he, was, he was my idol and uh, went from there. So were you like a, were you a tall kid when you were young? Because you're, you know, what are you, 6'6"? Six, six? Now? I'm about six six now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I was tall. I was tall, but I wasn't. I guess I was the tallest in the class. But uh, I, yeah, I would say grade eight. I was five eight, five nine. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. I guess that that is tall. But I was. You know, I had some teammates who were quite a bit taller. Yeah, for sure. And then, so you're until you're twelve. So what's that? Grade seven. You move. You move to Richmond when you're in grade eight, or what did that look like? Yeah, so the end of grade seven, my parents, uh, yeah, we moved to Richmond. And so my, my older brothers went to Lord Bing. My oldest oh, no brother played, yeah, my oldest brother, Chris, yeah. played, uh, actually played basketball Lord Bing with Barnaby Craddock. I was, I was just going to say he played with Barnes, hey? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So I was planning to go to Lord Bing, um, but my parents decided to move out to Richmond. Um, so it was, my, it was spring break of my grade seven year. My parents decided that it would be better if I switched schools, which I was very against. So for the last two months of grade seven, I ended up going to Walter Lee in Richmond. And their reasoning was they wanted me to, uh, to meet some people going into junior high, just so I, I didn't go into grade eight in a new city, not knowing anybody. So yeah, so I went to Walter Lee for a couple months. And met a few friends. And then from there, Walter Lee was a feeder school for Palmer. And um, yeah. yeah, so went to Palmer in grade eight. Yeah. And interesting that when we're younger, right? Like we just don't agree with anything our parents do. But in the end, that probably was a pretty, you know, at least for you, the transition was a good decision because you had at least met a couple people that you knew, right? As opposed to transitioning, because a lot of people maybe don't realize is that Palmer, which is a high school now, was just a junior, right? So it was just eight, nine, ten. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the model's yeah, totally. totally different. It's very different, and um, yeah, it was. It was actually. I was very against it, like I said, but I did meet mm-hmm. some some guys who I ended up going on to be good friends with. Uh, you know, through my whole junior high and high school. Nick Turner mm-hmm. went to Walter Lee. We ended up playing basketball. You know, eight through twelve together, and he was one of my mm-hmm. best friends. So it, it was important. And um, I do remember, you know, the, those couple months that I was there, um, where I lived in Richmond was, it's about a 15 minute walk to uh, Dolphin Park. And I, I yep. do remember, the, yeah, I do remember the first day, you know, my, my new friends taking me to the park. And, uh, and then that being kind of my home court for the next, I don't know how many years, like eight years being there a lot. So, yeah. And for those that don't know that are out there, because I know we have, listeners that aren't from BC or at least from the lower mainland. And we have some younger people the Dolphin Park classic is, you know, what it is now is definitely different because it's not even played at Dolphin Park and just 
the you know just to for you to name and just say Dolphin Park, I think instantly brings memories for me. So I can only being imagine being a local guy, you know, when you say that and what that meant and just that tournament and how big it became is is phenomenal. Something we'll talk about a little bit later, but um, for sure, for sure. You obviously had a crew of guys and, and started to grow and develop into basketball. So you're in, you know, you're in grade eight at Palmer. Um, is basketball the only thing you're doing? Are you still doing a couple other things? Are you like, okay, I'm locked in and I love this sport and, and I want to see where I can go with it. Are you even thinking that yet? Or are you just like, I just need to get some armpit hair first? And <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I, uh, yeah. So I was still playing soccer up until grade eight. Um, I played a, mm. a year of uh, Metro in Vancouver and then I, I played one year of Metro in Richmond, but I was, I was uh, growing. I was super skinny and mm. soccer, you know, my, you know, my body wasn't really suited for soccer anymore. And uh, I, I wasn't loving it. So that was mm. my last year. Last, last year of soccer was grade eight. And yeah. And then from there on, it was really, it was really basketball and grade eight made the team with some of my friends. Um, and we had a, a very very strict hard coach who was uh have some crazy stories about but um we you know he was he was very demanding he demanded a lot a lot from us and we were we were a good team but we weren't we weren't great but we had a, mm-hmm. a good squad good 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 guys and uh kind of progressed from there and how was dad when you decided that uh, soccer was over with was he was he cool with it or yeah yeah no totally yeah. he was he was supportive and completely, completely fine. I was, uh, yeah. it was around that time I was, I was becoming obsessed, obsessed with basketball and wanting, wanting to play as much as I could. So you touch on that grade eight coach is fairly intense for a grade eight age, you know, that's 13 is young. And, um, what, what was it that at least one, you could respect the fact that he was intense, but two sounds like maybe it was a little bit over the top, but how were <laughs> you able to get, how are you able to get through that and just still you know, pursue basketball? Was it the, the guys that you had on the team? Was it your dad in your ear? Was it just your own focus? Um, you know, he, you know, the, yeah, it was a group of guys. We all, we all had a, each other's backs and we were kind of just going through it. I mean, he, he was also, we also liked playing for him. He was, he was just mm-hmm. very demanding. And so, um, you know, I did, I just, I was in love with the game. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was completely focused on it and it was, it was the camaraderie with all the, all your friends and, yeah, so it was kind of the beginning, great. It was the beginning and starting to see that this, you know, I was starting to grow and yeah, just fell in love with the game. How many screen how many screamers a week are you averaging in grade 8? How many screamers? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, screamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Danny's Market. Danny's Market was a, a corner store uh like a, a block from uh, Dolphin and uh the best. Dolphin Park. Oh man, they were amazing. Yeah, so we I, I hit that up a lot. Hit that up a Corbett, lot. Corbett, do you know sure. what a screamer is? Corbett, oh, sorry, I, I didn't yeah. mean myself. But uh, isn't it, is it almost like a, like a, not a slushy, it was something similar to that? Am I, am I close? The Slurpee with ice cream in it. Oh, oh, sh- love. Well, we're going to have to bleep that. Oh, okay. Daddy's Market was notorious, so. For sure. You got to name drop as many Richmond things as you can in here, man. Let's get the Richmond listeners listening, right? So, um, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Uh, so then, grade nine, ten. How's your team? Are you guys good? Are you kind of a top ranked team? Who Who are some of the guys? I'm curious. I don't. I'm because you're a year older than me, so I don't know right. 
um, who, who actually was there with you at Palmer and who was there with you at Richmond High. Right. So Palmer, um, grade nine, Ben Mann, who ended up, you yeah. know, playing, playing Richmond, uh, Tyler Tomoli, Nick Turner. Uh, I'm trying to think if you would know any other names, but, um, yeah, so grade nine and grade 10, we were a really, really good team. We, mm-hmm. over those two years, I think we lost three games and two of them were to oh, wow. Linden, Linden in Washington oh, wow. there. Yeah. yeah. So we had a, we had a really good, really good team. Um, and that, it, our coach was Butch Gaten. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a, yeah. So we had a lot of fun. In grade 10, Bobby Singh was on our team as well. Mm-hmm. Bobby Singh obviously played played with me in, in Richmond, and then he went on to have a pretty good uh, CFL career and a little bit of NFL. Is he so, not? The, uh, is he not one of the only guys who has like a CFL, XFL, NFL ring? Am I not? Am I wrong saying that? Like, I feel like he's. That's right. Got, he did. Yeah. yeah. So he was on the Yeah, he was on the practice squad for. I'm, I'm trying to think what NFL team. Yeah. But yeah, so I think it was back to back to back, like in a row. Crazy. <laughs> he went to, yeah, he went to the XFL and he came to the CFL the next year. Crazy is right. <laughs> but um, yeah, athlete. exactly. You know, Bobby was a, a crazy athlete. Um, yeah, so in, in grade ten, Bobby was six three, two hundred eighty nine pounds. He was able. He, he was able to dunk. It was unbelievable. Mm. And uh, yeah, so no, so grade uh, so grade nine, grade ten, we had a really, really, really good squad. We were completely completely dedicated we played all the time had a lot of fun and uh that grade 10 provincial so we won the provincials in grade 10 and okay. that was in that was in Kelowna we played Kerry High and yep. Kerry High had Eric Heinrichsen who you know was an absolute beast and Greg Bateson yeah and they only had they had one sub they had, <laughs> they had six players and we literally, uh, literally, literally, literally oh, six wow. players. They had one person on the bench. Wow! And uh, yeah, and that game, that guy went, game went to overtime, and we squeaked out a win. Wow! But, yeah, that's crazy. crazy. Corbs sure. Corbin has like the book of because it was the fiftieth anniversary of the provincial championships. He's got the big yep. book, and so whenever we have a guest, he's always looking. And today he's like, "Ah, uh, like how how does someone win MVP as a?" You know, their team was third place, you know, and when Heinrichsen's in grade 12, I was like, well, I think Heinrichsen averaged 25 rebounds a game for the tournament. <laughs> yeah. I think he was like right, 22. Yeah. I think he was think 22 was, and 25 a game. Exactly. Yeah, 25 yeah. rebounds a game. He was an absolute yeah. beast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you could say he earned it, right? But <laughs> that's crazy. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to the tournament, the grade 12 tournament, my grade 12 tournament soon, yeah. Mitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, and then so at what point um, in your life? Because everyone knows the legend and legacy of of Bill Disbro. When does Bill Disbro come into your life? Like, obviously, you um, you know in grade ten that you're going to go to Richmond High. Like at this point, for those that don't know, an absolute storied program, provincial champions, players coming out, going Division One when that didn't even really exist. The Ron Putsies, the Tates. And when does Bill come into your life and start to just be like, because everyone that I've come across and played with and know, you know, Bill has been a huge mentor for them. So when does he come into your life and start to like really get you on your path? 
probably when I was in grade nine. So I'm at Palmer still. And mm -hmm. obviously, yeah, so Richmond High was, like you said, a storied program. And um, so grade nine, you know, he would come and watch some of our games. And then also there was uh, Richmond High Open Gyms, which mm -hmm. were Tuesday and Thursday nights. And it was an opportunity to go and play against, you know, the current high school players. This would be after the season or before the season, you know, September, right. October, then after the season. And so I would say grade nine, I started going to open gyms at Richmond and being able to play, play, yeah, like play against Putsy, play with like Brian Tate, Joey DeWitt, these players who had, you know, they, they had amazing careers in high school, but since, like you said, some of them went on to play division one basketball in New Mexico state. That was a big part of my development. I would say, uh, going to, going to those open gyms. I, I do remember being in grade nine on at open gym, Brian Tate was on my team and him actually verbalizing to, to the guys that, that I could play, you know, he said, Oh, this kid, this kid can play. And I remember that mm -hmm. being a, you know, a, a memory that I, you know, carried for a long time and still do. So sure. that, that was important. And um, yeah. And so the, the Richmond high, I, I would say in grade nine, I, I decided that I wanted to play for Richmond. High. at that time, it was no guarantee you would make the team obviously. Like, mm. as, as you've mentioned, there was all the schools in Richmond and they were all feeding into three schools, Steveston, McNair and Richmond. And so a lot of good players, a lot of, a lot of good players to choose from. So it was uh, not a guarantee that you were going to make the team, but yeah. uh, Disbro, Disbro was around. He, he started having these summer teams called Team Excel. And so with summer of grade nine going into grade 10. I played on a team with, I'm trying to think, Novell Thomas, Simon Orr Ewing, oh. I think Ben Mayen, a few other players. And we went down to Phoenix. And mm -hmm. that was, that was eye-opening for me because we played in a tournament in Phoenix. And I, you know, at the time, you, you live in kind of a bubble. and You, you live in Richmond. You, you play in the lower mainland. You, I, I thought I was pretty good, right? I thought I was. <laughs> and we, we played a team from South Mountain, Phoenix. In, in the gym must have been, it was 105 degrees. There was no air conditioning. And we got absolutely destroyed. We were down by, I don't know, 50 at half. Like it was mm. the, the most embarrassing thing. And I remember going, you know, going, like I said, going into that game, feeling pretty good, feeling that I, I was a pretty good basketball player. And it kind of uh, completely, completely opened my eyes, <laughs> mm. right? Mm -hmm. And made me realize, okay, like, yeah, I'm good. But in order to, get to the next level, which was starting to become my goal, I would have to get a lot better. A couple of things to touch on, like just the first one of just for young athletes, just getting out of their comfort zones, even locally, right? Like just when we even used to host some open gyms and in, in summers at STM and like kids just wanted to play against each other, they wouldn't want to play against our alumni and like you're going against or have Tate on your team, right? And it's like, the, the impact that can have, or at least even competing against or with those people and what that will do for you. Um, and it's such a huge thing as a, as a high school coach myself, trying to teach the kids that like, don't just play against the kids that you know, you can either compete against well or dominate, like take it to the next level and get your butt kicked a little bit. Right. Cause there's so much learning and growing that can happen there. Yeah, no one. Yeah, totally. Like getting out of your comfort zone, playing, playing better competition. And also, and it might be different now, but 
you know, those guys were kind of, we, we looked up to them. Right. And, and yeah, they, they had won BC championships. They were coming back to play. I mean, Brian Scales was there. He, he was also a pretty phenomenal high school player and university player. Lewis Johnson. Lewis Johnson, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They, there were some good players and having, yeah, it was, you know, being able to be up close and play against them, play with them. Mm-hmm. What was definitely a huge part of, um, of I think you make a good point though. Like, I think you make a good point in terms of the high school game locally. Like it's still, it's very, it's a good product. Uh, there's lots of attention to around it, but do our young people really look up to them the way that we did? Right. Like I, I tell the story all the time of like my dad letting us skip one day a year of school. And it was always like the Thursday or the Friday and we would just go sit at the Agrodome, right? And like, we'd watch right. Andrew Steinfeld grab rebounds and like yell and scream. And like, I was like, these are the people I want to be. You know what I mean? And like, but I was in grade eight, they weren't that much older than me, but for some reason, maybe it's this, maybe it's everything they have access to and they can just skip five levels and just look up to NBA people, right? I, I think that's an important thing. And then also just going down and getting your ass kicked in Phoenix. That's a great story, right? Like just, you know, we think we're all sweet and, and uh, then you go down and this is before probably like the club thing has really taken off. Like Bill had a vision, which has always been intriguing to me. He had a vision before anyone else had it, right? Like team Excel. Um, I remember he had like Sean Velasco on there, right? Who's an STM right. guy. Like yep. it, he's doing club things before many people were. And when you went to those tournaments, there wasn't like gold, three level or whatever it is right like it was like you picked your tier because there weren't that many teams and most of the teams you played against were pretty damn good right so that's that's awesome and 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 awesome that you got exposed to that early on it wasn't like you were in your junior year grade 11 going into your senior year you were at a younger time and able to go oh man i've got to put some work in right 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 oh it it was definitely definitely a big part of my development and yeah, Bill did have that that vision, I think, and and yeah, going down there playing guys who everyone everyone was better better than you. It felt like right, and getting yeah. some, sometimes completely destroyed. Um, and but but at the same time, I starting to gain. Okay, so yeah, so say the first half of that game, we're getting we're getting absolutely destroyed. But then in the second half, we we played better. We kind of we we were shell shocked. We we pulled our socks up, and we we were able to compete a little bit in the second half and, and kind of drawing confidence even, you know, as you're getting beat that you, okay, mm-hmm. you, you can play with these guys. Uh, you have a lot of work to do to get to their level, but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I would say around that time too, Disbro, Disbro was good with um, kind of mentoring and, and showing, giving us the blueprint for what, what great players did and what, what mm-hmm. it took to be a great player. And, and literally, you know, laid it out for us. He would he would give us printouts of here's you know here's what Ron Putsy did. And there were players in the program, so these were players that you looked up to. This is what mm-hmm. this is what their routine was like. This is what Joey Dewitt did. This is what Brian Scales did. And so from that young age, already having that influence of of Bill, you know, kind of laying it out what 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 it took to get to the next level or what it took to to become a great player. And so I would say it was around grade nine, grade 10, that I, my goal was to play division one basketball. And mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty, pretty hard pressed. That's all I, that's, that was my number one goal. And so like, yeah, I just, that's such a wicked story. And then, so you make it to Richmond high grade 11. 
how's the team? What's it, what the, what's the experience like? I think it, it'd be hard to put into words to describe like what a warm up was like at Richmond high, what the introductions were like, you know, you got Boston playing in the background, like just, and I don't want, I don't want to make this about bill, but a bill again, just making it almost like an American experience, right. Having, you know, having the opportunity to play there in grade 11 and grade 12 and just going there and knowing that you're just going to have a packed house with kids face paint, like, and it, what, you know, talk about what it was like to just play for the Colts program. And what was your team like in grade 11? Cause I'm actually totally not aware <clears throat> about what your team was like in grade 11. Um, our team, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty good team. We were, um, mm-hmm. we really wanted Novell to come and play. At Richmond, but he chose, <laughs> he chose Houston. <laughs> no, no. But we had a we had a good squad, um, and yeah, the to play play for play for Richmond. Yeah, it was crazy. The the home you know the home openers, the the warm up. Like you said, it, it's hard to explain the gyms. I don't know how many it seats, but it's over capacity. It's eleven hundred, twelve hundred fans. They're handing out earplugs at the door. The uh, you know the the music is ridiculously loud. Um, you're you mm-hmm. know you're coming out you're coming out through a tunnel of smoke and and then you're you know when they're announcing the starting lineups you're running and jumping into the crowd and they're mm-hmm. you know the football team's carrying you around the crowd. Um, so it was it was pretty phenomenal. It was a quite an experience and like you said, it's hard to really explain. I mean, you we played each other there, I believe, right? You mm-hmm. a few yep. games. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty fun fun atmosphere to play in. Yeah, I had um I had my your crotch in my face. <laughs> I was I was the last guy back on a two on one and Bobby threw it off the backboard. And uh yeah, that that was that was a fun moment. I think we lost by almost forty that night. That was good. Yeah. Fair enough. You guys you guys got us back though later on. That's all that matters, right? And that's you know, I think it's I just I just love hearing those stories and, and just wishing that you know, it, and it's not like, oh, I'm sitting here on my soapbox like an old man, like grumpy, uh, need to be like this back in the day, but just getting that school spirit and just that attachment back. And like, why is it not cool to just go like, instead of just the Richmond finals, right? Mm-hmm. Of Steveson Lennon versus McMath. And that, that gym was packed that I saw the tape this year and watched the film, like all, every game, right? Every game you guys went to. And then in grade, uh, 12 you had a pretty unique experience locally against a team at cap college it's grade 12 right yeah it was grade 12 yeah yeah so talk a little bit about that for people that don't know like and i, I want to leave this story to you um, to just explain and kind of talk about that experience i don't even know if corbin knows but um, i remember going to that game and watching and i was like super jealous that you guys had that opportunity to compete right um yeah and that was one thing that bill did a good job of he um he would reach out to programs. Uh, I know when Ron, Ron Putsey and those guys were, were playing, he, he had a, a high school team, Demantha, come up, who was the top, one of the top programs, high school programs in, in the States. And then when we were, you know, when I was in grade 12, he, he reached out to Bobby Hurley Sr., oh, who was a Hall of Fame high school basketball coach. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a legend in, in high school, coaching period basketball. And so he, uh, St. Anthony's from uh, New Jersey, the high school, and they, they came up. So, you know, we billeted, they, you know, stayed with us. And then we were, we played, we played them at Cap College in front of a big crowd. And we, uh, you know, we played okay. I think we, 
we lost by a few, but it, you know, we competed. Um, and it was, totally. yeah, it was a, it was a good, great experience for sure. Now, do you recall, like I, one of the things that I kind of regret was when you do play some of those great teams and, you know, you go down the States or in, like, do you, was, did anyone actually go on that was on that team that was kind of big time that you remember or. I don't, I don't, I know, I know a lot of them did go on to play, you know, division one basketball. I don't, I don't remember their mm -hmm. names though, but yeah, yeah. I would say the starting five probably played division one basketball. Yeah. And like just, you know, for those out there that are looking for a good read or something, the miracle of St. Anthony and, and Bobby Hurley senior story is pretty cool. So to have a high school coach to go out and do that for you is pretty, pretty cool. And then, you know, obviously you have a, your grade 12 year is like a real special team. You got a great group of guys and I've been able to connect with them, obviously playing at Langara with a bunch of the guys and, right, right. and them. And, and how was that experience? Now, did you play provincial team and team Excel or did you just play team Excel when you're in grade 11 and 12? Uh, well, let me see. Um, I know, right? We're old, man. You got to like I think know, about it. Right. <laughs> well, what year did I play? So I played under 19 BC team mm -hmm. only and I played twice. So I was there with, there with you. I was the alternate the second year, second but year. you didn't play, but you didn't play 16 or 17. You just played Excel. I right? played Excel those summers. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah. So grade 12 year at Richmond, there was, there was a tremendous amount of hype. If you remember around our team, which, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> which in hindsight, you know, isn't the greatest thing. Cause you look back and you think, wow, we, uh, you know, we, we were a good team and we were, you know, we worked hard. We played hard. We all we were we were all obsessed with the game. We were we were in the gym before before school. Bill opened up the gym. You know, six thirty seven every morning. We were all we were all there. Yeah. And so we worked we worked our asses off, and we we were a good team. But yeah, there was a, a tremendous amount of hype going. To, is this you know were we the best chance to be the best high school team ever? All the all this stuff. So we we had a you know we had a good year. Uh, we we. I don't know. We were either top ranked or one or two, probably back and forth with you guys. Yeah, I think you were one year. or two though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was a it was a definitely a fun year. Yeah, I think you guys we beat you at the Beagle. Right. Yeah. And then you absolutely destroyed us at your place after Christmas at some point. Mm -hmm. Right. Like right. Right. Just throttled us. It was like that. We just wanted to walk out of the gym with the bus still running. But I mean, you think about like. You know, even it was it was good to hear Randy kind of talk about that too, because you know he didn't even play, and he was a he played double A, it was triple A, talking about that ninety four year, and just like the talent that we talked about on another podcast was like we had two future Olympians, right? Like on the same year, like that's just crazy the amount of talent that was oozing out. And then when you look at your guys' team, you know our Terry Fox team, and then you know throwing like Heinrichsen from Cary High is just like the, the high school basketball that we was playing there like that, that in those times was it was unreal um you guys must have, you guys must have just throttled some teams like it must have been I'm, I'm just guessing that there was a lot of times that you just started the third quarter out of the sake of starting the third quarter and then we're done like 30 seconds in you know there was a lot there was a lot of blowouts for sure there was yeah. a lot of blowouts um yeah, I mean, and you guys touched on this, and Randy touched on this, and obviously the um, the, the you know we the junior high eight nine ten, and then all feeding into three high schools in Richmond played a big part in the yeah, yeah in the talent, and so you know on our team um, 
Ben Mayen, who was a, a solid player, Andy Dunn, who went on to play with you at Lankera, Bobby Singh, who was a, you know, Bobby Singh, like I mentioned, by this time he was probably over 300 pounds, 6'3 six, mm-hmm. six, still. He, you know, he could shoot. I mean, you remember playing him, right? He, he could shoot shoot threes. He, I think he had nine threes, one like in an in a important game against the Steves and Packers. Jason Bristow, he was in grade 11, a phenomenal athlete who went on to play at UBC. Yeah. yeah, there there was a you know a bunch of bunch of good good players and and like you I like mean, likewise. Yeah, so I mean, there's three that played post secondary basketball. Bobby goes on and like wins a ring at every level for football. Chris Lake plays post secondary basketball. Yeah, James Lake. Wang, James Chris Wang. James Wang, Chris Ray, Ray, yeah, exactly. Like the Claude Derry, like so that that's eight right there that played at the post secondary level. Like at exactly. how do you even you know? And so. And even, even the, you know, the Terry Fox team, right? Like Vic got hurt, but I think it's six or seven of us that moved on as well. Right. And so I don't want to get into it too much, but like how you touched on the pressure as, as a senior in grade 12 and, and there's, I didn't even realize, but this bubble of like, we could be the best team ever. Um, was it talked about or was it just felt, or is that just a reflection thing now that you're older and you look back on it that you felt? Oh, the, as far as the pressure, well, I, it, a lot of it was—it's the the newspapers. Like Richmond was a, a hotbed for basketball, and the local mm-hmm. the local newspapers would uh, always write these articles. And so, um, was the pressure? I think it was it was real. It was real for sure. We yeah. we also felt that we we did have a chance to win, and we did. As, mm. um, but yeah, and also having that goal of of winning the BCs. From, from the time you know, I cut like I like I mentioned when I got fell in love with basketball, grade eight, grade nine, having that yeah. that goal there always, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, the pressure the pressure was real, but um, we we felt like we had a chance, yeah, and we for did, sure. and we and we can talk about that game too, Mitch. It's been there's been enough time that's passed <laughs> that I'm okay with it now. <laughs> well, I mean, but i don't even know what to talk about like i mean we beat you it was a close game and like we were down at half and made some adjustments and i don't know what what thoughts do you have like i feel like if we play a series seven like it might even be four two for you guys like you know what i mean so yeah. i mean who knows yeah. who, who really yeah. knows obviously um yeah people people stepped up you know you victor gore had a crazy game yeah and yeah you guys won so it was, <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what's that <laughs> you don't want to talk about it i don't i don't no. you summarize the game up in seven seconds <laughs> Victor Gore had a good game and you guys won <laughs> can you at least do me a favor and talk a little bit about how underrated dave morgan was like on a maybe you don't even know because you you're you don't you're not coaching or involved in the bc game but like i feel like people really sleep on you know, in, in the all-time players because he never won like an MVP, right? Right, right. Um, yeah. And he didn't make like the national team that you did, but he was right there with you for many of the steps. He but was, yeah. Like I just, that guy was so good. He was, uh, he was a different, yeah, he was at a different level. He was, uh, he was, he was a big guy, 6'9", big, right? Huge guy. Yeah. And he was the best passer on the floor on either team at all times, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he, his basketball IQ was very, very high. He was, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, just a, he had a great feel for the game. Yeah. So he, yeah. Um, he was, he was phenomenal. 
And then you went on and um, you played junior national team. So was it just Johnny D, you and and uh, Dave that were the only three from BC? So well, no. I, so junior nats. Yeah. So junior nats. Um, no, I played with Johnny John Dumont on the under twenty two Canadian team. Under twenty two. Yeah. So okay. When so under nineteen BCs ninety four, I think it was. Yep. Went out to Waterloo, and that team, that team was absolutely stacked. We had Novell Thomas, Gerald Cole, Brett, Brett Anderson, Ben Mann, um, Navi Seacon, Roy Kruzwick, Dave Morgan, Sean Ramjackson, Curtis Meffham. Like we had a mm. really solid team, and that that we won um, won the nationals that year. Really, really solid team, and and uh, right after that, right after we won, sounds ridiculous. Um, the team is ridiculous. Yeah, that team is huge. Really crazy. Yeah, big, big team. Like, yeah, the the second five was as strong as the the starting five, right? Right. And John Dumont, that that tournament was crazy. John Dumont was MVP, dominated. He backdoor dunked on Jamal McGlore, like right on him. Um, so that and that was a real fun team to play for. Phil Langley and Scott Clark were the assistant. Yes. Really fun team to play for. Um, the U19 was such a good experience, I felt. Like, I'm, I'm sad that they got rid of that because it was, because uh, you know what? Like, U15, 16, 17, there's still so much happening in your body and your game. And then, like, you're becoming a college athlete. And it's like, that is, was good competitive basketball. I always was sad that that went, that went you know, at, on right. a national level. Yeah. yeah. It, it was fun. It was a really fun summer. And Phil Lang, who was a great coach, he, he realized realized we had a short short time to to kind of bond and mm-hmm. he uh yeah we we did he would promote us having team functions which was uh, you know I was basically getting together and maybe tipping a few but uh and uh and we bonded quickly and obviously had a good talented team but uh mm-hmm. yeah so sorry I don't know why I went from there oh junior national so from you know the night after I remember the night we won the nationals uh, getting the getting the call or get the coach coming and saying that you've been selected to try out for the junior Nats. So that started, you know, the game was Sunday and then yeah. we were trying tryouts. We started, started Monday. Oh my. Yeah. And so it was yeah, Dave Morgan. No, not Dave Morgan. So he was I'm trying to think. Cause he was old. He was, he was older. a year old. Yeah. A year older. Yeah. Older. yeah so yeah. who would have been there from British Columbia? Not really sure, but yeah. So tried out, tried out for the junior Nat that, that summer. And I was lucky, lucky enough to make it. And um, mm-hmm. played with uh, like Todd McCullough, Jamal McGlure, Steve Maga, some some good players, a lot of Ontario kids, and yeah. traveled down to Argentina and played played for Canada. And Argentina was pretty pretty amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, played that was the first time got to play the USA team. Mm-hmm. Lost by I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully under uh, probably fifty. Yeah, got absolutely destroyed. Stefan Marbury was 15 years old. No way. Uh, yeah, they, you know, Tim Duncan, Trajan Langdon, Steve oh, Wojciechowski, Tractor Trailer, and all those guys. So, yeah, and I was dumb wow. enough to get into it with Tractor Trailer. <laughs> of course you, you were. You know me, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. I remember actually uh, the, the. I'll tell the people whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the game after we played. Mave at the Beagle, Corbs, they they score on us, and I grab the ball out of the net to go inbound it. 
and I take a pretty sound elbow in the jaw. I couldn't eat for like three days, which <laughs> probably wasn't a bad thing for me as taking a few days off the burgers. But sorry, sorry um, about that. Sorry about that, Mitch. Okay, man, we're boys. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're boys. We're we're boys. We're, we're boys. It's we're, okay. We're good now. Awesome. And like, we'll I, we'll talk more about playing for Canada. But just want to jump to the recruiting process for you in grade twelve, right? Like now in this era of like where JUCO is kind of different. Like the only one I can think, only kid I can think of in the last few years from a JUCO Corbs is um kid from Walnut Grove, James Wood, James Woods. Yeah, yeah. James Woods. Yeah, and so you know you you obviously have a a desire to want to play division one were there opportunities or did you realize that maybe juco would be a good stepping stone for you and when did that become um kind of a reality and and when what did that recruiting look like for you yeah there was there wasn't a lot of uh division one opportunities I, I had no offers um there was a couple coaches who came to the agrodome and watched the watched the bcs i think portland, mm-hmm. portland stayed and maybe one other um but no, there there wasn't at that time. I mean, Steve Nash before that was, you know, in the last years had you know one of the few people who had gone Division One. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, there there wasn't. But um, uh, Disbro after the season, I'm trying to think, yeah, it must have been right after the season. He he organized um, for Rick Majerus. He was in town for some reason. Oh baby, so, yeah. So Rick, Rick, I went for that run. Oh, you were there. Okay, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and it was um Dave, Dave Morgan, uh Jordy Jordy was there, Jordy McTavish. I think Jordy was in grade nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um so I think it was just open gym and then after after the open gym, I don't know if we talked right then, but you know, one, he how what a crazy good player Jordy was. He offered Jordy McTavish a full ride scholarship to the University of Utah on the spot. You know, after watching him for, I don't know, how long did we play for an hour, maybe? Yeah, sure. maybe, yeah. So, and then he offered, he, he said, you know, to me and, and Dave, or to me, he said he could, get, you know, get me a scholarship at, you know, uh, junior college in, in the States. There was a few to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said the same thing to Dave, Dave Morgan. So that was pretty much my only kind of chance to go, go, go to the States and, you know, still chase my dream of making division one basketball. So I signed with a team in uh, Utah called snow college. Yep. Yep. And and so, and yeah. so, without, without getting into too many details, what is it like going from like Richmond, BC traveling to places like Argentina, and then you go to like a place like snow college in Utah? How, what was that like? It, it was a, a big, big eye opener culture shock. It was, um, you know, it's a small town, two hours south of Salt Lake City, um, mm-hmm. town of 3,500 people. And, uh, you know, it's a predominantly Mormon, Mormon state, but definitely Mormon, uh, Mormon town and school. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it was a big, a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. But the basketball, the basketball was great. My, my coach was a great guy. No, that, that's the big thing, right? Is like, I don't, at that time, like, Juco basketball was real good depending on what league you went in correct yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i yeah the basketball was very good there was a lot of players who were who were using it as a stepping stone whether whether it was grades or didn't get noticed um but definitely there was there's a lot of lot of good basketball players on each team and so it was mm-hmm. you were competing like hard every practice to get like every every guy on the floor or every guy on the team you know the top 
top 10 players on the team were all had these dreams of playing division one basketball. Yeah. So everyone's kind of fighting, fighting for, for a spot and, uh, the basketball basketball was good. And I had a, a really good coach, really nice guy. And you know what? The, uh, the Mormon community, they were great. They, they were really good. They're really good people, good values. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It was, it was an adjustment and I, for sure. <laughs> it took me a while. There was some times yeah. when I thought about coming home, but I'm glad I stuck mm-hmm. there for sure. Yeah. And then when does, uh, obviously you had some success there. So when did the opportunities to look at division one come to you? Um, you know, we, en- we know you end up at uh, NAU, but were there other opportunities or was that the only school and how, how did that look? Yeah. So I played two years at snow college <clears throat> and, uh, I, we, we had a good team. We weren't top, top in the conference. Um, mm-hmm. but we, we had a good team. So we're always competing. We get to the tournament, the conference tournament. We've never won, but Dave Morgan played for Utah Valley. So he was in the same conference. He was, in, right. he had a, his team was probably a little bit better than ours. And he had a good, good couple of years. Roy Kruzewick also who BC. Right. Yeah. So he played for Northern Idaho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we had a good we had a good squad, and uh, you know I had a, a good enough good enough stats and played well enough to get some some attention from a few teams. I didn't have a lot, but I. You know, let's pause here for a sec. Oh, sorry. Or this is where, this is where you got to really value Mave as a human being because like, the most awkward thing for him to come on this pod would be to like actually say that he was like good enough to like get recruited and go division one. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just having a hard time saying like <laughs> I could flat out shoot, and I was quite good. So just for the listeners out there, Andrew Mavis is probably one of the best players to ever play in British Columbia mm-hmm. and um, was getting recruited to play division one basketball um, in the uh, late mid to late nineties. And he won't say that. So <laughs> I'll say it for him anyways. Oh, it's neither continue. here nor there. Neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> continue yeah. on andrew <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah I had a, anyways so i had a couple a couple yeah schools interested idaho idaho state um weber state maybe a couple in california and um went on a few visits but northern arizona they they recruited me pretty hard um mm-hmm. and yeah ben howland was the coach he was relatively new there Ooh. i think he'd been there yeah a year prior and so <clears throat> Yeah, so they, they, they recruited me hard. They, they made me felt wanted. And when I went on the trip there, what sold me was, was the guys, the, the, team, the, the players who were there and the couple other recruits that they were recruiting. They were all good guys. And so mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt comfortable with them. And yeah, so I signed, I signed to, to play for NAU. Um, yeah, about, about that spring, spring of uh, my second year at Snow College. Yeah, for those that don't know, Ben Howland, um you know, started out like Gonzaga was an assistant at Santa Barbara. And then that was his first head coaching job, I believe. Right. And then he moved right. on to Pitt. Yeah. So talk, talk about a hoop journey. Talk about a hoop journey. He was an assistant coach um, at UC Santa Barbara for 16 years before he got, wow. a, before he got a sniff at a head coaching job. And so he, wow. yeah, right. And so he, uh, he went to NAU, uh, he, you know, he was there for a short period of time. Um, Turned the program around and mm-hmm. went off to Pitt, and then ended up at UCLA for ten years. And now yeah. he's uh, still he's at Mississippi State now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Would he have coached Levon Kendall at Pitt? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a 
definitely a hoops journey right there. For sure. Now, were you were you part of the two league titles when you were at NAU? I was. Yeah, I was. So my first year there, you know, we had a really, really good group of guys, a really good team. And um, we, it was the, my first year there, I think they, it was the fifth or sixth biggest turnaround in NCAA history. We I think it went from seven and 21 to literally 21 and seven the next, next year. And, yep. uh, wow. yeah. six and 20, six and 20. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. You got my stats. I got, yeah. Yep. I got it up. I'm the stats guy here. Yeah. Okay. Correct me. <laughs> correct me if I get anything wrong. That's why we pay him the big bucks. Right. Right. Um, now just for people that don't know in the big sky, who are the teams in that? Like, what is your league? Uh, Eastern Washington, uh, Weber state, um, Montana, Montana's Montana state university. Yeah. School, yeah. Idaho uh, state. Idaho State. There's a couple. Cal State Northridge. Um, Not Nevada. No. No. No teams in Nevada. No. Sacramento State. Portland State. Portland State. Right. Yeah. So a, a, a you know a, a good good conference, but not absolutely. Yeah. And then so like, talk to us a little bit about what it means and felt like to make the NCAA tournament. That you know that was that uh, you know along with. Um, making playing Division One basketball that was always the ultimate goal, right? So yeah, so my my, my... He doesn't want to say anything, Corbs. See how he doesn't want to say I know. anything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, my I mean my junior year we we had a good we had a good year. Our our point guard mm-hmm. got injured um, halfway through the season. He was mm-hmm. the most. He was so dominant. Um, he got injured, and he still won MB, uh, most valuable player of, of the. Uh, for the year because he oh, was no that way. good. Yeah. And we went on to, we won the regular season and then in the, in the tournament to get into the NCAA tournament, we, uh, we lost. So my junior okay. year kind of didn't happen. We didn't put, uh, make the NIT tournament. Now, now was that was, oh, okay. So you didn't make the NIT. So we did. Was it on we the did yeah. We did make the NIT my junior year. And then, yeah, we played Arkansas. So was the was making the tournament in your junior year conversation? Was it something that was brought up in the locker room? Um, you know, from a coaching perspective, what was Howland's communication to you guys? Did he like, was he just trying to push you above something that you felt you could, like you could achieve, or as a collective group, did you think like, oh, we can actually do this? I mean, we we had a yeah, we had a good feeling that we could we could compete to get there. I mean, there was no we weren't going to get an at large at large bid or anything, so we had to win you had to win the conference tournament and we knew we, we had a chance at that, but he's like any other good coach, not talking about the end goals, talking about the daily goals and, you know, trying to push us, push us every day. But, you know, we had, we had really, really good uh, shooting team. We had, um, I don't know if it's a junior or senior, but um, we were first in the nation in three point percentage and second in field goal percentage. And I don't think there was any other teams in the top twenty in both those categories. Wow! wow. So we could we could shoot, but well, uh, and, and so could you because I believe you finished in the three pointers made in, for a career, right? In two years, something like that. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Mavis has left the chat. Yeah, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Let's everybody think about a six 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 seven ish shooter breaking their university's three-point made record in two years so that'll just give everyone a bit of an idea at home who don't know what you're all about and so that year that you guys make the tournament who'd you play first round and what and i don't if you want or share like some 
a cool story that's appropriate that you feel like will come <laughs> back to you about Ben Howen. Like, I'm just curious. I mean, that guy's, he's a next level coach. He, he, he made, he made Pitt an elite program and then coached at UCLA, one of the most famous programs. And you had an opportunity to play for him. So I'm just selfishly intrigued. So right. it's not the Aaron Mitchell podcast, but tell some stories if you don't mind. <laughs> no, he was a, he was a, a special guy. Um, he was, I don't know how, how do I explain him? He was pretty intense, very intense. He demanded a, a lot out of us. Um, but he also was, was a fun guy to play for. And practice was, we, we put up a ton of shots. It was half shooting and then half, half defense. And then just running over the offenses and the other team's offenses at the end of practice. So practice was fun. Um, he wasn't, let me, how do I say this? He, 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 was, a, he was a hard ass. He was a hard ass. And, mm-hmm. and he, I think his, I don't, I'm not sure if he's still like this, but he, his, I think his philosophy or part of it was he wanted us all to bond together against him almost. And I know that sounds crazy, mm. but uh, yeah, so he there, you know, there was there, I don't know if I could any exact stories, but you uh, you know, I, I love him and he was, you know, did so much for me. And, uh, but he was a interesting guy to play for at times. Yeah. And I think that's gotta be part of it. Right. Is like this guy, not a risk because you could hoop, but like he really made you feel like that was a good place for you to go. So there's that like, I'm going to put in work not only for myself, but also because like I owe it to him. And then it must have been cool to see the program turning the corner right in front of your eyes. Like that's a huge thing. Like regardless of the like winning a national championship or whatever, like to be part of something where you were playing for a guy whose coaching career took off after that right right. and you're never going to tell yourself that you're part of that but i will because really you guys were your collective group got somewhere and probably got him to the next level right that's pretty that's pretty dope you know yeah it was pretty it was pretty special to be a part of um yeah yeah like i said good group of guys um yeah and it was neat to see within the city like flagstaff in northern arizona definitely wasn't a basketball and you know university or town but the buzz you know when we started winning some games um you know playing playing university of arizona uh their home opener my junior year i think it was my second game playing for oh, AU. yeah so it was the year they won the national championship so it was bibby like Harry, miles, simon. Uh, miles simon dickerson and then they had all the uh crazy big guys so and we so. we were up at half we had it we, we we competed i mean they probably took us lightly Let's be honest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and they ended up winning. But that was a good, that was my second game, Division One basketball. And competing and being able to compete with those guys definitely gave us a lot of confidence. And me, myself, gave mm-hmm. me a lot of confidence to, uh, you know, think that I could play at that level. For sure. And then yeah. to take on the, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Right. Right. We do our research on this podcast, buddy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Only for the only for the ones who need it. Now, who's on who's on that team? I mean, the most notable names would be Ruben Patterson and uh, Kenyon Martin. Oh, baby. Oh, Kenyon Martin. Casually, a, I believe number casual number one draft pick. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> most notable names. <laughs> but let me think here. The Kobe, yeah. Kobe stopper, the Kobe stopper, and the future number one pick. Yeah. Ruben Patterson. Yeah. Anyway, so and then Melvin Levitt. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was the yeah, levitator. Luther. He was insane. He could jump. He could jump no high. Way. 
you he was on that team too. Yeah, yeah. he was. Crazy, and then so like looking, I was looking at the score today. Like you only lose by three. Was it was it a back and forth game? Yeah, or was it, it? It was. We were, I think we were up six or we were up six or nine. You know, under I don't know, maybe under ten minutes left. We were, we were definitely in the game. We felt, we felt that we could win. We definitely did. I mean, we had a mm-hmm. like I said, we had a solid, solid um, shooting team, and we could defend well enough and. Again, I don't know. I think they probably overlooked us. So we had, a, and we had a, like a well balanced team. Everyone could, you know, everyone could, like I said, shoot and score. So we felt like we had a good chance. We had, we felt like we had a good chance to beat them, and we fell short. They hit, they hit a shot. I think with 16 seconds left to go up by two, or I guess maybe three. Then, but um, yeah. So it was a, it was a, an amazing experience to, to actually fulfill that. Do you feel like Coach Howland's model was a little more advanced in terms of like you look at the game now from the college and especially the NBA perspective being like a really a three point model? Or was it just like that's just he maybe didn't have that vision for the future, but thought that's what he could create success at Northern Arizona with? Do You know what right. I mean? Does that question make sense? Like, because when you think about the three point game, you know, in 98, they're still throwing it to the big a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Like that. Right. And in college is definitely different than the NBA, but the live and die by the three was not a common theme at that point. So I don't know if you have any insight to that or was it just his philosophy and you went with it? I mean, he just always talked about, he just recruited good shooters. That, that was his number one thing. And it sounds stupid as a basketball, you hope people are good shooters, but um, that's kind of what he recruited. And then a lot of his offenses were, were based around like quick hitters getting getting a, a, a open three early in the offense. And if there mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, if we didn't get one, then yeah, we'd work it around, try to get inside. We did have some formidable inside guys too. So yeah, yeah. no, he, he, it was, like I said, in practice, we, we spent half of the time shooting and it was, mm-hmm. it was a big, a big part of it. So. Yeah, those questions are not really like yeah. for you, for Corbin and I. For <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I'm looking at the boss score right now. Bobby Brandon, 24 and 12 on you guys. Kenny Martin, 9-15. Well, you're digging in the vaults. They still have those stats from 98, hey? Yeah, from Bas- uh, Sports Reference. <laughs> All right. So, you know, and, and you're also Big Sky Conference, you know, All-Star two years in a row. Had had lots of success and basketball clearly wasn't the end for you at this point. So that ends and you're thinking, are you thinking like, I want to continue to play for Canada or you're thinking I want to play professionally? What's your thought process there when, when that, when your actual eligibility kind of comes to an end? Yeah, I was, uh, I definitely was still thinking I wanted to play for Canada um, and, mm-hmm. and also wanted to play professionally um, overseas. I definitely was not going to play in the NBA. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, it was, it was on the, it was on the, the radar, you know, the national team and, and professional for sure. And so how does that happen? Like you, do you have some sort of citizenship or who helps you out? Do you get an agent? Yeah, I got an agent. I had a, um, my mother was born in Scotland, so I was able to play in the UK as a, uh, like a non-import. It wasn't quite, I didn't have a passport. I wish I did. Um, the rules have changed since. I would have had one and probably wouldn't have ended up playing in, in England uh, as I did. But so because my mom was born there, I was able to play in the UK. 
um, with a certificate of entitlement, it's called. So I was able to work in the UK. And um, yeah, so signed with an agent and signed with the Chester Jets, um, you know, shortly, uh, maybe sometime in the summer after my senior year. And what's that feeling like when you just, because it's intriguing for me, like, to think about that um, when you're waking up every day and you're like, well, I'm actually kind of sort of getting paid to play basketball. Like, that's pretty dope. Yeah. No, it was cool. <laughs> it was definitely mm-hmm. cool. Um, it, was a, it was a fun experience. Um, the British Basketball League is by no means, you know, was, it was not by no means a top, top league in the world. So um, you're playing in some gyms that are, you know, community centers and then other nice arenas. But regardless, it was still pretty cool to, um, to you know, get paid to play, to play basketball. And my ultimate goal was to, to get my passport. So play in the UK for, at the time, it was like I had to play for five years. There were some tough rules around it. And you couldn't leave the country for more than, you know, a certain number of days and uh, in those five years and, uh, and get my passport and then move on to the mainland. But uh, that, no way. Yeah, that was the goal. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I, once I guess you cross over the big pond and you get into like Europe and different places, is like I'm sure they all have their own sort of little, you know, things that you can and can't do, right? Exactly. Exactly. Did you bump in? Did you bump into any BC or Canadian boys along the way when you were playing over there? Or? I did. Yeah. So my yeah. Um, my first year there, uh, Greg Meldrum, who absolutely, uh, you know, Greg. Yeah, he played at Uvic, I think, right? And he was on the national yep. team a little bit. And yeah, we were, yep. we, were we were teammates. My no way. first year over there for sure. And then Brendan Graves, he was playing yep. in Glasgow, I believe, or Edinburgh. Yeah. And then there was a few, you know, there's other Canadians, but as far as BC guys, that's all I can really think of. Yeah, for sure. Brendan Graves played with, uh, on the other, played with Nash at Santa Clara for those that aren't uh, aware. Right. Um, and, and then let's get into the good stuff, man. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Well, and when we ask random questions is, is the best part. But uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your Olympic experience and when does it start to rev up? Like, we know we have a collective group of guys and you're, you know, you're obviously not, a, you know, in, in terms of minutes being like the main guy. But like, I feel when I think of you as a teammate, if you're our stud, I would follow you. But if you are our 12th guy, I would want you to be our 12th guy. And when are you like, wow, this is a group of guys in Canada that I want to be a part of. You've already mentioned you've played with Todd, who now is, um, is he just, he's either finishing up at Washington or on his way to the NBA. You know, you've, you've played against Jamal, you know, the level that you can compete at and how bad are you wanting to make this group where, you know, Steve Nash is a part of it. You've got these special people around. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, a crazy, crazy experience. And, um, you know, you go, you get selected to go try out and the tryouts were, were grueling. I heard Randy touch on it. Um, Yeah. Humber college. And, you know, there's tons of guys there trying out, they're cutting, cutting people, you know, every, after every practice and you're just kind of working your way down, trying to, trying to stay healthy. Um, Trying to, I, you know, for me, I'm just trying to make shots and uh, make a little bit of an impact in the scrimmages. And I was able to, yeah, kind of work my way uh, that first year in 1999, make my way all the way down to the final and made the team. So, mm-hmm. and play, you know, it was a great group of guys, Rowan Barrett, Sherman Hamilton, um, obviously Steve, Peter Garage, Mike Meeks. Michael Meeks, yeah. 
got a chance to meet Mike. Well, yeah, what a nice human being that guy is. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, lot of really, really good guys. Um, And Triano put a lot of thought and effort into picking, picking a good team, not just the 12 best athletes in Canada, but, you know, uh, the, you know, a, a team, guys that could bond, could play together, guys, you know, like you mentioned, would, would come off the bench gladly as a 12th man and, you know, still be happy, still be part of the team. So it was... It Swordsy. Was, Swordsy, Swordsy, exactly. Great guy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, in that year, 1999, we, uh, we were able to, we were in Puerto Rico, uh, qualify for the Olympics. So, and that was a... Exactly, you know, a special, special thing. I uh, just a couple things. One, like, and I think this is what appreciate people who know you well, Maeve, or maybe know you just on the surface. Like, you just have the ability to make people feel comfortable, right? Like, the minute my wife met you, and you know, she's met a lot of human beings through basketball over the years. That like sometimes she's like, eh, you know, so like you just have this, you have this aura about you. So regardless of your skill, like. And I told her this about you that the other night I was like, I'm dying to get Maeve on the podcast. I can't wait. And, and she's just like, well, I had no idea because you just are who you are. Right. She had no idea the level that you were at or whatever, you know, she sees like a little um, tattoo on your leg and has no idea because she's four eleven and doesn't really know a lot about basketball. Right? <laughs> and I think, and I, think and, it, and I just, I, it's so important that I, that you touched on the part about Jay um looking for the best team and and young kids who like when you're a richmond colt you even said yourself like well i'm in grade nine i'm not even sure if i'm gonna make the team when i'm in high school and where's the pride gone to just have a jersey and be a part of something right Right, like it's like and kids kind of they self-mock like oh i'm just a bench warmer or i'm just this person and it's like, you have a jersey, like we cut other people so you, for you to be here. So be your best self. And I, I just think that's such a huge, important thing. And just so cool to hear that Jay was focused on culture, right? He could have taken other guys maybe. And not, I'm not saying over you, I just mean in general, but he knew that it wouldn't have been the right mix. And clearly he had the right math. And I think that's what is the most special part about you, Maeve, is like, you have the talent, you have the skill you can pick up a guitar and play something acoustically in two seconds. Like you are in some ways gotten a genius level, but you're also just like, you make people feel comfortable. And so even if it's Steve Nash in the room or Greg Newton, who are kind of like big time hoopers, they've got no guard against you because you're just a, you're just doing your thing. And I can only imagine what it would have been like being a teammate with you um, during those times. Um, just pumping your tires hard here. <laughs> yeah, what do, what do I say? What do I say to that? There's, no, <laughs> there's there's nothing for you to say, but I think it's an important thing for kids to hear that, like, you know, whether you know you go from being one of the leading scorers on your team in Division One, almost knocking off a team that has two future NBA players in the NCAA tournament, and then sacrificing yourself for a bigger picture, right? Like, right. being able to let go of your ego and understanding that different points in your career you're going to have to adjust what it is within your role on a team is important i guess that's my end point definitely definitely important and um obviously you know we all want to be on the floor all the time but um that's not a reality and i mean playing for canada 
you know, was such a, you know, something that I didn't take for granted. And I truly, truly bought into, well, we all did. And, and like, that's that, like I said, Jay looked for, you know, best group of guys that could bond together and just to be a part of the team in whatever role was, was important. And I mean, we had a, like Johnny Lee, who is with the Raptors now, a fitness trainer. He was, you know, he was a, yeah. you know, a, a team manager on that team in 1999 right. and he like the role he played and you guys know this as coaches you know the role that these assistants or team managers the roles that they can play on on teams and how important they can be right and mm -hmm. you know and so not you know that that was something that we just all tried to do and, and it worked out that is a huge soft spot always because for that because like my brother right played high school played played at centennial for richie chambers but was you know was whatever and but like always wanted to be a part of something and so he was a manager he met was a manager for five years at ubc with bruce ends right and yeah. so like manager trainer someone that came across my path it was like so much love and respect because you realize it's not even about taping ankles and taking stats it's they just want to be a part of it right and exactly exactly um, let's get back to puerto rico because i remember watching the highlights and honestly getting emotional because I was like, holy crap, in my lifetime, I get to, like, that I can remember, I get to be a part of watching a team make the Olympics and like how the emotional, the emotional roller coaster of knowing that you're so close and then getting there, it must have just been crazy. Like, had you ever experienced in anything even close playing in a place like Puerto Rico where it's like, shady refs fans are nuts like mm -hmm. don't drink the water like, you know what i mean like there's so many elements you have to fight through and then that final buzzer goes and you're like holy crap we've qualified for the olympics mm -hmm. like that must have been something really special it was really special and that and, and yeah working so hard that summer with all the guys and then like you said playing playing in puerto rico those those gyms were crazy the fans were crazy the refs were at times questionable um yeah, you felt like you felt like you had this card stacked against you, and then yeah, to to actually to qualify was you know to beat Puerto Rico in uh, you know in their home gym. We had a great team effort, and obviously Steve played a large large part in that. But so did Garachi and McCullough and Meeks and Rowan and Sherman. Like all the guys just stepped up, and mm -hmm. yeah, when that whistle did go, it was, it was the most amazing feeling. Could not could not believe it so yeah yeah it was special and just like going going from being like yeah i play for canada and then knowing canada's history of like not really be take, taking it to another level you know but like right. still the honor of being able to wear that and then you're like holy frick we actually have a chance here like that's right right just like i i can't imagine how that felt and then and then were you a part of the opening or the closing ceremonies the olympics Oh, both. We, I went to both. I just assumed, sorry, pardon my ignorance. I just assumed okay. that like the Olympics were so long that like, or is it because basketball is such a long thing that you get the opportunity to do both? Exactly. Basketball is so long. So you, um, yeah. so opening ceremonies, all, you know, all athletes, I would assume opening ceremonies. Yeah. Which was a, an amazing, obviously feeling kind of walking out there, mm -hmm. 125,000 fans. Unreal. And kind of, you know, yeah, that, that, that was a, definitely a highlight of the Olympics. Um, you know, the, the one, one part I remember almost the most is 
just right before we went onto the floor for our first game um, in the change room and you know, being in a huddle, just the team and just kind of looking at each other, each other and just realizing, okay, we're, we're about to, you know, play for Canada in the Olympics. That was, that was a special moment. Yeah. And there was many, many along the way. Yeah. That's unreal, man. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just jumping around because okay. this is awesome. That's okay. And so can you guys qualify in 99, but the Olympics aren't till 2000, right? Exactly. So what is that like? Are you like, do not get hurt, Maeve? <laughs> or like, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? If they're, cause I know Randy, Randy was, you know, he was an alternate and kind of, you know, not necessarily sitting in the waiting and didn't want anyone to get hurt, but like he was one of the last kind of cuts mm-hmm. along with a couple other people. So, you know, there's still a competitive level there. And What's your approach? Are you still you're still playing in England at this point? Yeah, I had one season yeah. in England, and then yeah, come back come back for the summer, and it's mm-hmm. back to tryouts again because there's no guarantee that definitely me who was you know lower down on the roster, um, there's no guarantee mm-hmm. that I was going to make the team. So it was just back into the the grind of the tryouts. I and I did I had nightmares about those tryouts for years and years after. No joke. Um, yeah, it was a grind, and so. Like, because they were so hard, so mentally exhausting, or just yeah, mentally exhausting. They're just they're trying to they're pushing you. They're trying to. I mean, people are get are getting injured, right? They're doing you do you're doing the beep test, and then I think Randy mentioned this, but you're going right into playing. They're trying to see who's in shape, um, and then you're just you know you you have one bad practice or one bad scrimmage, and you and you're thinking you 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 get you're getting cut. You know, and then you, yeah. you have a good, yeah. you have a good one, and you're feeling good, and you're, it's just up and down. So, you know, that summer was, it's it's tough. I, you know, I still was able to have fun, and I still felt I belonged. I was shooting mm-hmm. my my role as a shooter and rebound and play enough good enough defense to stay on the floor. So, I was able to make that first, uh, you know, team to go to Australia for the pre-trip, and then. I mean, I felt like I was re- really on the cusp right till the end um, as well, mm. but mm. I was, was lucky enough to to get the, you know, make the team. That's cool. Yeah. And when you guys finally get your first dub at the Olympics, how's that? It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah it really was. <laughs> uh, yeah, played beating Australia in Australia to open open the games was a was a good feeling, and we we had a. You know, and it all came from, you know, started with Steve, right? And mm-hmm. over those summers playing with him, you know, the, I don't know, the confidence that he obviously had in himself, but that he, he kind of, he rubs off on everybody. His positive energy, how hard he worked, how much fun he had, you know, it was, it was ridiculous. And, you know, you can talk, you know, for hours about how great he is, obviously, but playing mm-hmm. with him, um, you can't kind of understate his effect on a team um mm-hmm. so you know going into the olympics we we felt we had a you know our goal was to get a medal and we felt we had a shot shot at it so yeah, yeah pretty special yeah thanks for sharing that i was going to ask you a little bit because it's like everybody in bc has like their one you know nash story or whatever right, right? like right. i i lived down the street from when i was in elementary school like i actually did like i think that's my claim to fame but like <laughs> you got to play in the olympics with them and you know if you just a little bit more if you want to expand just his ability as a teammate to have he's obviously at a tier that none of you are at you know todd's close right todd's close mm-hmm. made an nba finals and like had some success and 
now is a pinball addict, which is so crazy <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. But like, wh- what do you think upon reflection? And, you know, obviously he's your friend, but when you're going through it, like how was he able to just have you guys all believe? Or did he do anything? Or did, were you get just a good group of guys that got along? Did he just treat you normal? Like, is there anything that you think about that was like, wow, he'd actually made a contact? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's any one thing, but like I said, just mm. his energy, his, you know, the people that you're around, whether you're not even talking about basketball, their positive kind of energy kind of rubs off on you and on everybody, right? And mm-hmm. so he, you know, just throughout the, you know, training practice, he was putting in work, you know, before, before I was awake, like we were roommates for those summers. And he was out in the hallway, you know, training with Johnny Lee, you know, before anyone was up. Um, and so, and also he was having fun. He was always having fun. And so mm. having a, a leader like that, yeah, I mean, you can't. It's, it's, it was amazing. So he, he obviously, he, I don't know, it breed, breeds confidence, breeds good, good yeah. feelings. Like, you know, everyone's feeling good. Everyone's feeling, yeah, yeah we got this. So for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can you not follow that, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so when does basketball as a competitor, not like men's league or freak show, we'll, we'll let you give your freak show shout out <laughs> oh, later. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I made a short point of, you know, shouting that out. But, Right. When when do you decide like okay, um, this is done and and I just need to kind of move on and and, uh, and figure some stuff out. Right. I uh, after the Olympics it was quite a it was a quite a like uh, climax of my basketball career and then pretty low. I went I was in England playing for Newcastle, um, so we were in the Olympics you know in September, and then January I tore my ACL, pretty bad, and so I was I was out for that season and back then this is quite a while ago it was a little bit different the rehab was a little bit longer so right. i yeah so I, I rehabbed and i did go back for one more year in newcastle after i rehabbed i played one more season mm-hmm. but, but i was honestly at that point kind of coming to my i don't know if i, I don't know if I say burnt out but definitely was losing the drive mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like i was making tons of money playing in england so yeah i had to kind of come back and start to think about having a you know, a real job. And yeah, so it was, it was uh, the couple of years of 2003, probably when I stopped, stopped playing competitive. Yeah. And, and then the thing I'm always interested in is when, you know, the, the tough transition of playing at a whatever level um, and then moving into kind of whatever life's going to look like for you. How, how did you apply and use things that you learned along the way to becoming like a part owner of a company? You know what I mean? Like, what were some of the things that you took away that maybe some young people are listening that you, the values and stuff that you learned, whether it was at Palmer, whether it was at Richmond high, whether it was at snow college, Northern Arizona playing for J Triano with a whole bunch of studs in Canada. Like how did you make that? Cause you're probably doing it without even knowing it every day. But just if you think about a few things, how were you able to get where you are now as a successful businessman? I think, uh, I mean, you learn so much. Um, playing sports, playing youth sports coming up and uh, being, especially team sports. I mean, I didn't play individual sports, but yeah, being part of a team, uh, like you said uh, earlier, touched on like on that national team, being able to come off the bench. But, you know, when you're, you're working in a company, working with people, you know, being, being part of a team is a huge part of it. And it's a, it's a people, people 
business, right? And so being able to work with people and talk to people and um, such a huge part of what I do. And, and a lot of stuff translates from, from what I did basketball-wise mm-hmm. to, to my life now, for sure. I mean, like, I'm looking and I see 83 minutes and I was like, we could, I could. Am I rambling? Because I know. Rambling? No, 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 no. Because I know, like, when you and I are in Birch Bay having a, having a cold beer, like, we're not going to talk about this stuff because it's just not who you are. So I'm like, we could go for another hour, but we'll wrap it up and move on because I know you got to things to move on to but Corbs do you have any questions for Maeve before we get him to the uh, most important part of this evening <laughs> <laughs> I mean I just that was fantastic I just took it all in uh, I am personally interested I'm just fascinated with how BC basketball was like in the night like in the 90s and and uh, I'm just you guys rattling uh, you guys are rattling off names and the, just the talent level and just looking at basketball right now it's I, I just look at that era and look and there's there's a lot of mystique in like in my eyes. So I don't know if you wanna I wanna know more about that about that final. <laughs> <laughs> about the, the final that tournament or the final game? <laughs> oh, uh, your final with Mitch. <laughs> oh with Mitch. I mean I I don't remember any of it. No, I'm just joking. Um <laughs> you know, it, like, <laughs> like Mitch said, I think uh you know, we played we up in, you know, every game uh during the season. Uh, you know, we they beat us, we beat them um, on, on that night. Um, yeah, I think in the second half, you guys put a crazy, like, half-court press on, is that right? Like a 3-2, do you remember that? Not a press, 3-2 zone, but like... Played with the 1-3-1. 1-3-1. Anyways, it was, and we had trouble with it. We had trouble with it, for sure. And you guys had, you guys made some bigger plays. Uh, they had bigger plays than us. But, uh, and I was, yeah, I was pretty upset after that, I won't lie. <laughs> Orbs of all the questions. I know. You could like have asked. here, like, well, let's finish it off with like a dagger, and let's leave. just put some salt, put yeah. some salt in We just built them up for eighty-six <laughs> minutes, and then just tear them down. I'm a coach now, isn't that what I do? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a crazy experience for sure. Yeah, the provincial championship is a weird thing, Mave. Like now, being on the flip side of us as a coach, and like. You know, Corbin played on the team when we were double A, we lost in the provincial final and it was a team that we'd beat earlier in the year. And then just like being lucky enough to be a coach and win one, it's just like such a weird thing, right? Because it's like, I don't know, I've said it before in the podcast where like your guys team, I mean, if you're playing in 95 when I'm in grade 12, you guys literally beat all of us by 50. And you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, there's so much timing and so many weird things. It's teenagers, but I look at it more of a sense of pride, not the sense because we won, but just that final four, those two fi- semifinals, like Windsor gave you guys a game. That was a good game. It was a great game, for sure. And Yeah, and Kerry High, like they gave us a game. Like that was a back and forth battle. Like you had Heinrichsen and Morgs like just going back and forth. Like it, So that was like a pinnacle of high school hoops. Also, me trying to just soften. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a crazy competitive final. Yeah, yeah for sure, and final few games. And Dagger, yeah. there was nothing like Dagger Dome, obviously. Do you mind me asking one more question before we go to the lightning of course, round? Of Can you tell me about the ASIC sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were not happy about that. <laughs> was that was that grade twelve? We had ASIC. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. We were sponsored by ASICs. 
What? <laughs> Just leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. Six basketball shoes. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't even know if they made them ever again after that year. But uh, yeah, we, we had to wear them. Bill did a lot of good things, but that wasn't one. That was not one. That was not one. Yeah. All right, man. Tell us about ketchup on macaroni. I mean, I I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah. I I don't I don't I wouldn't do it every time, but I definitely don't mind it. I know you're big against it. Mm. Open your open your I mean, geez. Like expand your taste a little bit, buddy. Well, like I've talked about, like I tried it when I was when you're, like yeah, eight years old. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Although some of the mac and cheese I feed Eli, I'm like, damn, this could use some ketchup because it's freaking <laughs> awful. Like, ketchup, like I'm not a big fan of ketchup, period, but I don't, I don't mind it on mac and cheese. Whoa. Yeah. Hopefully Dom Zimmerman yeah. is not I'm listening right somewhere now. Like, no. Dom is really hurt right now. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry Zimmy. Zimmy. <laughs> he has, uh, yeah. Serious ketchup problem. Steak, right? You already talked about MJ as your goat. Mm-hmm. Um, or just like the guy that you kind of wanted to be like, and was your was there anybody else just a secondary player, or were you just like all first team all in MJ? I was MJ. I was MJ. Crazy. Yeah. I, it was yeah. funny. I was looking at um, some uh, like scrap scrapbooks, like pictures, school pictures from elementary school, and I had mm-hmm. in grade six. I had a uh, a Jordan Air Jordan T shirt. It was red with the the wing, you know, the, the wing logo. And yep. it was reversible, but I wore that out. So in my grade six school picture, I wore it grade seven and grade eight, the same t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was obsessed. And my parents obviously didn't buy me new clothes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they did. And you just didn't wear them. And now you have, as a grown man, you have the white one. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yep. The wing. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but I feel like every two out of three times I see you, you're wearing it. So <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, he was my guy for sure. hundred percent. Love it. For sure. Um, if we just click on like, uh, Andrew Mavis's top 10 artists, artists played, what are we, what are we hearing? Uh, like top 10 artists played. Wow. I'm all over the map. Uh, Recently. I know you are. I love it. That's why, that's why I didn't say rappers. I, Cause I know what's not going there. But I know I do. No. I do. I do like hip hop. I do. I love tribe. I this year, I've loved, uh, we've been playing out the Mac Miller's last album, or his posthumous album. R.I.P. Loving that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also, I have young kids, a 9 and 11-year-old, Evan and Avery, and um, it's all about finding, like, when, you know, when we're together, about finding music that we all can listen to. I know a big mm-hmm. one over the last year was Chance, Chance the Rapper's last album. We love, yep. we love that. But I also, I play the guitar, listen to, I mean, I love Neil Young, Bob Dylan. Um, lot, lots of different stuff. So I'm all over. Corb's Mave, Mave is, uh, Mave's pretty sick with the guitar, oh, man. Really? I, I, oh yeah. Like, like, uh, like sitting around the campfire, hanging out on the deck and he'll just be like, give me a song. <laughs> and like, you know, they get in like next to you. Like, but then you have to sing it. <laughs> oh, just, I, try you know? Know. I try to be. Yeah. 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 No, he's got skills. <laughs> Corb's, Corb's is a choir kid. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Getting excited. Yeah. Um, long, long day of work, tearing homes apart. You get out of the truck and you got 
few bucks, what bag of chips do you grab? Um, I change, but right now, and again, you're not gonna like this salt and vinegar, like Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar is probably my go to. What is with the salt and vinegar, Miss Vicky's? <laughs> Have you tried a salt and vinegar chip before? I can't do it. They're so like, <laughs> I just like, it's too much for me, man. Right, right. No, I love those. But I, uh, you know, there's lots. I like. Okay, if you weren't changing it up, if you weren't changing it up, like, and you're not Steve Hansen, like a chip connoisseur, the guy has seven bags of chips in his house, he right, says, right. like, anything else you want to offer us? Or are you just I like, Jordan, you and Randy? No, no, no. I, I like uh, Lay's, like Lay's ketchup chips. Oh, okay. Are you a yeah. non-ketchup chip fan too? Love ketchup. Oh, okay, okay. That's the weird part. I love ketchup. But I can't do salt and vinegar. Right, right. Because it's very similar, right? It's yeah. very kind of, but like I just. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I don't know. The, yeah, those um, Dorito, Dorito Zesty, pretty good. Ooh, yes. Yep, yep. okay. Out of boy. Yeah. Out of boy. Okay. Going to ask you, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you've had some big moments, but like, what was it to get? into the freak show hall of fame <laughs> the freak show hall of fame yeah now the freak show is a men's league i know zimmy touched on this but the freak show is a men's league team that has been playing together for many many years now in the north shore men's basketball league and uh good group of guys been playing with them for a long time um a few richmond guys matt anthony andy latchford bristow and then you know, a bunch of other great, great guys, some from back east and awesome, awesome guys. And so um, Matt Anthony, our general manager <laughs> of our men's league basketball team, he decided he, he came up with the idea of having a Hall of Fame for the uh, freak show players. So over the last couple of years, we've had a few um, ceremonies and yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty funny, and pretty, pretty fun. Get into that. pretty pretty good crew of dudes yeah good guys definitely good guys they even uh corbs they even get jackets and everything at the hall of i Fame. love it like i love it that's yeah. a full commitment yeah, yeah. it's pretty funny for sure yeah yeah for sure awesome guys okay three questions left for you man right. and thank you so much for taking the time and and i i feel like corbs i say this every time but this is probably my favorite podcast so far <laughs> but um uh okay three questions and and they're all fairly serious but uh it's all good first thing that comes to your mind the most important person in your life has been? I mean, my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's it? Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you say? They, you know, my parents taught me compassion and empathy. And, you know, they're midwife and a social worker and uh, just good people. So they're definitely the top two. As far as basketball goes, you know, Disbro, I can't, you know, Disbro was mm -hmm. such a monumental part of, my my development and kind of uh, my mentor those years and definitely he would be one if we were talking basketball awesome yeah and that's why i just asked like you know yeah great answer thank you greatest player you've played against other than steve nash <laughs> i mean any any like the usa teams right they were they were stacked can you just name some of the guys that were on those rosters that you've seen over the time um uh jason you touched yeah, on a few jason yeah did, gary payton ray allen Vince Carter, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, all those guys. Um, yeah. So, how do you pick one of those? I remember trying to guard Vince Carter. You know, uh -oh. those 
those few times. Yeah, uh-oh, exactly. Um, he might have backdoor lobbed me, but Todd ended up getting the, the, the worst of that. But uh, yeah, I remember trying to, trying to guard him and him, him being upset with me because I was being very physical. As you know, yeah. because and I just said, "What? Do you, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Like, what do you want me yeah. to do?" So, yeah. But uh, you're Vince Carter. I'm Andrew Mavis. Like what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Any, any, I remember any one of those guys. I remember Meeks telling a story that when I had a chance to meet him a couple of months ago about it must have been the same team and like was Garnett on that team? Yeah, he was. Like uh, whatever, he's going to inbound it and like turns it over or something, and GP grabs it and then just lobs it to KG. And Meeks kind of half challenges it, but not really, and is going to inbound it. And Garnett is like on all fours, barking like a dog. And he's like, "Oh my god, I hate! Like I, I despise you as a human being." Yeah. <laughs> and last question, last question, man. Um, if you could do it all again, you would. Um, you know, probably. I don't know. There's a lot of things I do do different, but probably focus on my school work a little bit more hmm. it was i was completely basketball obsessed and mm-hmm. not enough time into my studies so that would be definitely top of the list and like because like did you feel like it affected you now or just like you just wish that you were a little more academically inclined yeah yeah but just a little bit more well-rounded for sure just a little bit more yeah not completely you know basketball everything basketball because because like, mm-hmm. when it when it ends, it is a big fall from that, right? <laughs> You're like, what what am I? Yeah, now? right. Yeah, everything was everything was at such a big part of your day, at such a big part of your identity, and then mm-hmm. yeah. So I think probably that would be my what I would do different. Love that answer, man. I'm not sure. I might if have, you, like, I, our I might have uh, also like sent Victor Gore like a. A pizza with, with uh, you know, with five, with five guys yeah, at his door. Yeah, the night before that final. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in Poco, he he probably had a lot of security at his front door, right, so right. he probably might not answer to him. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're such a goof. Uh, great point though about just being like more kind of engaged academically. Like that's a that's good. Thank you. I know what to say, man. Been waiting, uh, stoked to get you on here and super grateful that you were able to join us. Um, I know that like once we get this out, Richmond is going to go nuts and I hope a lot of other people hear um, your story because um, it's super cool. Uh, you, you were able to see and do a lot of things through basketball um, that a lot of people haven't had the opportunity and I know you're super grateful, but like I touched on earlier, um, just your humble kind of just great approach about it and you just being a a stand-up amazing human being is more than anything. And so Maeve, thanks so much for being with us. Um, don't know if you have any last comments or shout outs and uh, then you're done with us for the, for the day. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm honored and uh, it was a fun, fun to chat with you guys and uh, I've been enjoying listening, listening to the podcast. So you know, happy to be on. Right on. Thanks, man. Thank you to our sponsor, uh, Good Lad Clothing. Um, And, you know, like we say, just take care of each other, be well, and we will uh, see you next episode.